are the man. And I got to thinking not everybody is fortunate to have had a dad who let them know that. And so there's this, there can be this, decide, this decision to try to do everything we can to try to prove our worth. And yet, there's a passage that you will be familiar with, and it's in Second uh, Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, listen to this, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped and prepared for every good work. In other words, when we align our lives according to Scripture, that it says that it prepares us and we're prepared for whatever may come away. In other words, you have what it takes, regardless of what your dad or your mom had to say or not to say about you, uh, you do have what it takes. And so there's a prayer, but before we actually pray this, I'd like for you to look at it up on screen And this is what we're going to pray, and this probably could be a a prayer for most everybody in this room, but we're going to specifically ask God to bless this for the men. Uh, Give us a constant desire to know you and make you known, to give you praise, to demonstrate your love, to advance your kingdom. Let us be about your business so as to become an instrument of blessing to all with whom we come in contact. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be amazing if that would be every, every person you come in contact with, they would be glad you came and sorry that you leave. And that's not always the case for some of us. They're glad when we leave. But think about this, a, that we would be an instrument of blessing to all we come in contact with, that they're better off because they've been in contact with us. Let me be your hands and your feet, your voice. In whatever corner of creation you lead us, being used in such a way that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us live our lives with an awareness of your presence so that we might at all times be attentive to the slightest indication of your intention. Man, what a a great sentence. That we might at all times be attentive to the slightest indication of your intention. So all the dads, if you don't mind standing, I would like to pray this prayer over you. We value you. We're grateful for you. You have huge impact and influence. So men, receive this as our prayer. Father, I pray that you would give us a constant desire to know you and to make you known, to give you praise, to demonstrate your love, and to advance your kingdom. Let us as men be about your business so as to become an instrument of blessing to all with whom we come in contact. Let us be your hands and your feet and your voice in whatever corner of creation you lead us, being used in such a way that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, let us as dads live our lives with an awareness of your presence so that we might at all times be attentive to the slightest indication of your intention. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, men. You may be seated. So let me give you some highlights from, uh, just a couple highlights from last week as we go through the book of Colossians. And again, let me remind you why we're going through Colossians uh, those at Colossians in, in Colossae, they were struggling because there were some, 
some adverse thinking that was coming in, and it was Jesus plus. They were saying, yes, Jesus is, is important, but there's more to it than just Jesus. And so they were adding all kinds of thinking. And so this is why Paul was addressing the, the church at Colossae. So here's where we ended last week. For by him, all things were created. I mean, think about this. For by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In other words, it's saying he's never been out of control in his creation. Not one millisecond has he been out of control and so we, he's been just as powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-present all as he is, uh, as he was at the dawn of creation. And then we prayed this prayer. I marvel at the thought that the rise and fall of entire galaxies, empires, individuals, and single-celled organisms are all, are, are all under Christ's complete control, awareness, and concern, such infinite power. Such knowledge, such presence are incomprehensible. And then we ended with this, with this prayer, this statement by Tony Evans. Therefore, because he is all-knowing and all-caring and all-capable and all-magnificent, all the planets stay in their orbits because Jesus holds them there. If Jesus can do that, you can be confident that he can hold you too. If things are falling apart in your life, it might just be because Jesus doesn't hold the preeminent position in your heart. So we talked about last week that we're to be God reflectors, image bearers. But we have this capacity. He gives us this freedom to not choose to, to make him preeminent. And what, what can happen is we can have this ability to move Jesus off the throne, to dethrone him. And again, he may be prominent, but there's a difference between prominent and preeminent. And so Jesus gets shifted off to the side. And so we close with this thinking, what is your life arranged around? What throne, who sits on the throne of your life? Who or what sits on the throne of your life? And I thought it would be uh, appropriate if I'm asking you to do that, to do that, to give that thought and that question of who, who sits on the throne that I would at least give you a little hint inside my own life as well. My tendency is to be a recovering and control enthusiast. And because I'm a control enthusiast, my tendency can be to want to control everything around me. And so, as, as that being the case, I have what is called anticipatory anxiety. And anticipatory anxiety looks like this. When you're out of control, you start thinking of the worst possible case scenario that could happen. And 99% of the time, it doesn't happen. But that doesn't matter. There's always that 1%, and I'm going to be that 1%. My tendency is to, when things are out of control, for me to do everything I can to make things in control and under my, under my leadership and do whatever I can. And that is, is putting that, in fact, I'll put it this way. The last couple of years here at New Cup have been the strangest two years of my ministry. And probably the last two years have been the strangest two years of your own life as well. But trying to keep our church focused on what really matters and not caught up on secondary, important, important secondary issues, 
but not having our lives revolve around these secondary issues to keep our lives pointed in the right direction. And my tendency is I can move from being responsible to New Cove, to you, and become responsible for you. And that is a very difficult place to be, and it is not right. That is moving God, moving you in the position of of the throne of my life, of just trying to keep our church together. Let me just close a little bit with this one. Uh, you probably already know this, but New Cub is peculiar. Just saying. We are a peculiar church, and I love it. It is the most, it is the most refreshing church I've ever been in. But here's what makes us peculiar, is that we don't have to all agree on secondary issues in order for us to come together to point people to Jesus. And that has been a difficult thing because what I've been so proud of our church is with all of the things that are going on in culture and with, uh, with our economics and also with society and our own, own issues with politi- political issues, we have continued to come together, a church that is, what I would say, divided in terms of politically, but, but unified on Jesus is who we're going to talk about. And we're going to point him to Jesus and we're going to say, this is what the Bible says. And we're going to align our lives to the Bible says. And that will let the chips fall where they may. So I'm proud to be a part of a peculiar church. I also feel realize the church tends to look like the pastor. So that makes me very peculiar as well. So here's the prayer that I would pray before we jump into uh, Colossians 2 verses 1 to 3. Infuse my heart with so much love for you that there's no room left for love of anything else. Can you imagine if we started our day off, every day off with that prayer saying, God, infuse me with so much love for you that there is no room left for love of anything else, including my shrunken kingdom of one. Do not let me be distracted are pulled aside by the pursuit of anything other than what you desire for me. Man, may that be true of all of us. So Colossians 2, verses 1 to 3, page 1183. If you haven't already opened your Bibles, we're in, the book, in chapter 2. I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for those who've not met me personally. The word struggle is an interesting word. It's an athletic or military term, and it just means huge intensity. And let me remind you, Paul is concerned about the unity of the church of adding Jesus plus into into the, uh, the teaching of the church. And so he is struggling with this with this great intensity. I want you to know how much the intensity I am that I have for you in the Laodicea and those who've not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and uni- united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Again, remember the Gnostics were saying there's this secret the secret information, the secret knowledge that you need to have. Yes, Jesus is important, but there's something more important than that. There's this secret knowledge that only a few people get. And so... Paul, again, has come back to someone, no, it's all about Christ. It's about knowing him. I remember in my, uh, one of my first churches, I was a youth pastor. There was a guy named Houston, uh, and, and we were actually serving in Houston. 
And so he was an interesting guy. And he was, uh, he was quite the extreme guy. He was in the drug culture. Uh, and at that time, a mohawk was a big deal. Uh, I mean, people looked at mohawks differently than they do today, uh, tatted up. And he came to know Jesus in our student ministry. And he came to me and said, Tim, tell me what I need to stop doing. And I said, Houston, I'm not going to tell you what to stop doing. I'm going to tell you what to start doing. And so I taught him, as our church did, taught him how to spend time in God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to convict and to show what's right and what's wrong. And that is what Paul is trying to say is it's all about Christ and, and knowing His Word and knowing Christ and uh, allowing Him to be the, the front and center of our lives. So Paul, he says, that you may have the full riches of complete understanding, not the Gnostic teaching, in order that they may know the mystery of, of God, namely Christ. And the, the Judaizers were also another group there. The Judaizers said it's Jesus plus do all these following rules. They had 614 rules to add to the, new, to the Ten Commandments. And so they think that in order to be right with God, yes, you need Jesus, but you need to follow through with the 614 rules. Verses 4 and 5, I tell you this, it's all about Christ. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Jesus plus sounds reasonable. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. That sounds reasonable, but it's not true. There is one truth and we line our lives around it. We allow God's word to align our, to, to focus our lives on what the God's word says. And so he's saying, I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Because they sound reasonable, but they're still lies. Remember, here he's saying, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. And delight to see how orderly and firm your faith is. Again, this is interesting, orderly and firm. Both those terms are military terms. Orderly meaning they've arranged the army into ranks. Everybody knows their proper place. Whenever you make time to, to come to uh, discover a new cub, we always talk about when somebody new comes in our church, they change the, the, the dynamic of our church because God places people in the church where he wants them to be. You have a planned purpose from God for being here at New Cub. You play an important role in understanding how, what God wants to do through you and for you and around you. And so here he's talking about that they are orderly and that they are firm, meaning they're presenting a solid front to the enemy. And Paul's concern was that the Colossians would go to false teachers and buy into that. I heard this one uh, this week. Remember, the only, only the Bible is our standard for discerning the truth from error. Only the full understanding of Christ can keep believers from being deceived in pers by persuasive arguments. Only the uh, full understanding of Christ can keep believers from being uh, caught up in things that don't matter. Verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Think about this. The Colossians were in danger of losing sight of the truth. He says, no, your hope is in Christ. It's not in your circumstances to change. And Lord knows as circumstances change around us, 
We all desire that they change in a way that benefits us. But that is not, that's secondary. First is saying, what is God, how does God want to redeem what he's allowed to happen in your life? You started with Christ and you must continue with Christ. The tendency is to, to, to buy into Christ and then to fade away. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Keep abiding in him. He talks about this roots being rooted and built up in Christ. We know the more intimately we get to know him, the deeper our roots will grow. Jesus said this in John 15, verses 4 to 5. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot bear fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's talk about mundane moments for a minute. When you abide in Christ, those are mundane moments. They are time for many of us. It's the first thing we do in the morning. We start off with Scripture and move into our prayer time. Those are mundane moments, not big, huge decisions being made. It's just a, a, a decision that no one else probably in this group would know. When you spend time with God, when you're pursuing Him, those are mundane moments. And these little moments happen to be, the, the, the importance of mundane moments is that's the address where we live. Our life is filled with maybe two or three big, huge decisions, but the trajectory of our life is driven by how we spend our mundane moments. So what is the biggest enemy, enemy's attack to Christians uh, to get them away from God, to get them to spend too much time being busy about other things Instead of, in fact, I've heard it put this way, and I've told you this. If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so we, we arrange our lives around Scripture. We start our lives. And for me, and I've shared this in the past, for me, it's important for me to start my day because I can start off with that whole idea of anticipatory anxiety, of thinking the worst-case scenario of what may happen, and, and come back to Scripture and say that, oh, that all things are possible with God. That God can cause all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I look at God's Word and I align my emotions to the truth. So Jesus says, remain in me. These 10,000 little mundane moments, that's the character that's formed and that determines how you respond to life's events. Is how you're spending your mundane moments. Let's talk about the job of the branch for just a moment. I'm the vine, you're the branches. And, as, and Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's the vine is the one that produces the fruit. Our job is to hold the fruit. That's it. Our job as a branch is to stay connected to the, branch, to the vine, and the vine does all the work. Again, simple, simple easy to say, What's the job of the branch? It's to hang tight with, with, the, with, the, with the vine. I heard this this week, the power of being in Christ. This is by Watchman Nee. Outside of Christ, I'm only a sinner. But in Christ, I'm forgiven. Outside of Christ, I'm empty. In Christ, I'm full. Outside of Christ, I'm weak. In Christ, I'm strong. Outside of Christ, I cannot. But in Christ, I'm more than able. 
Outside of Christ, I've been defeated, but in Christ, I'm already victorious. How meaningful are the words, in Christ? And I, I, I think of this and just think, our job is to do whatever we can to put our hope and trust in Christ and to go deep with Him in your prayer time, in your Bible study, and in your, time, in your community. We need people in our lives who are speaking truth into us and encouraging us in difficult times. Let me close, uh, let me refer to the end of verse 7. He said, rooted and built up in him, strengthened by the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Now, remember, again, that makes sense. Yeah, everybody ought to be thankful. Where is Paul when he's writing this? He's in jail. And so what's amazing to me is, what speaks to me is this, is that a thankful spirit is the the fruit of abiding in Christ. That even in difficult moments, that you could be joyful knowing that God has it all under control. Let me close with Colossians 2, 8 to 10. For see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ, who's head over every power and authority. It's all in Christ. It's Christ alone, not Jesus Plus, we've talked about the Judaizers who said it's, it's rules-driven. We've talked about the Gnostics who said there's secret knowledge to be found. And even then, I think it's interesting that later on, the thing called Arianism showed up. And they believed that Jesus was not created. Uh, he was not divine. He was just born. Another one called adoptionism kind of tried to sneak into the church. And adoptionism is that he became divine at his baptism. I mean, the church has always got to be careful that this other kind of thinking can come in. It may sound reasonable, but we check everything out by God's Word. And so that's why we, every week we, we call about the importance of spending time in God's Word. Matthew twenty two twenty nine. Jesus replied, Your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. I heard this illustration, to try to live completely independent of God is like driving a big, beautiful yacht down a super, super highway. It's full of creation, wonderful creation, slow with amazing design and details, but it wasn't built to run on the highway. And our lives have been developed and created from the very beginning. God knew before the foundation of earth, he knew you would be here. And his goal is that we know God's word and we live by it, And we let God do that. We don't try to make life work apart from God. The test of any false religion is, where does it place Jesus? And does it rob him of his humanity and his deity? So in our response, I guess I would have you think about this. Is Jesus Christ preeminent first in all areas in your life? Let me pray this prayer for us and for New Cub. Father, infuse our hearts with so much love for you that there's no room left for love of anything else, including our shrinking kingdoms of one. Don't let us be distracted or pulled aside by the pursuit of anything other than what you want and desire for me.
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The next song you're going to hear, uh, and we, we talk about this frequently, but to look at the lyrics and, and celebrate the lyrics that are true for you and the ones that God convicts you of that may not be true of you, use this song as you listen to it. Allow the lyrics to drive you to conviction. Say, God, I want this to be true for me. Our goal, again, is to make Christ known and to know him well. Uh, thank you for your offerings as well. When you leave this morning, it matters what you're doing. Uh, it helps us, with, especially this week with Vacation Bible School. Your offerings help us to create a great environment for that. And those of you online, thank you for giving where there's uh, the location on our website.